630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Transition offensively. Morgan Riley back. McDavid beat him. Rich shot score. Beautiful move. Connor McDavid danced around Morgan Riley. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. On the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. One of the all-time greats from your Edmonton Eskimos, Ricky Ray, scheduled to join us tonight after the 7.30 news. It'll be awesome to catch up with Ricky, see how he's doing, and we'll get some recollections from his great career, which included, of course, that one-year stint in the National Football League with the New York Jets. He'll tell you how that broke down tonight on Inside Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in. Six minutes after 7. My name is Reed Wilkins, broadcasting from my home as of course many of you are working from home and I know it's a tough time maybe some of you not able to work right now but I hope you're doing as well as you can under the circumstances and uh, as I have stressed before on this show and we're temporarily doing this from seven to eight usually we're six to eight but we have global news hour from six to seven because of all the uh, important news going on around the world these days but we're with you from seven to eight it's always a pleasure to speak with you it's always a pleasure when uh, one of you reaches out and if you feel like you want to bring up anything tonight 780-496-0063 maybe what's going on or not going on in the world of sports maybe something you're missing maybe when you think the games are going to be back maybe a memory of attending a sporting event or meeting an athlete we've had some people call or text in with those over the last month or or so I am happy uh, to hear from you or if you just want to say hi one way or another that's fine as well the number to call or text is the same 780-496-0063 kellen kennedy is our studio operator at the 630 chad broadcasting compound kellen how are you doing buddy Kellen, oh, there you are. Forgot where the on button was. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's okay. I was, well, we got a different connection here. So I thought uh, either, Kellen, you couldn't hear me or you you were talking and I, I couldn't hear you. But we do have, we do have a connection. I I'm was talking you... to somebody. I just don't think it was out to you guys. It was. Oh, it just else. went out into the, uh, out into into the, the void. vastness of space, out into, out into the void, where the where the text to the old text number go, as I've often said. We'll, we'll, we'll chat a little bit later on this half hour Kellen because I want to get to something with you as well Mm -hmm. but you know the the speculation and the what-ifs continue to be thrown around about a a return to competition in all the sports leagues that have been shut down it's expected that the PGA Tour will announce some details tomorrow and it sounds like they're going to try to return on June 11th with the uh, Charles Schwab Challenge in Fort Worth, Texas. It appears that the Canadian Open will be taken off the PGA schedule for this year, but we should get more on that tomorrow. But look, one of the guys uh, at the center of this, 
Dr. Anthony Fauci. He's the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. I wanted, to give, out his, I wanted to give out his whole title. Sorry, Kellen, I'll get to that in a sec. I wanted to give out his, his whole title because we often just call him uh, infectious disease doctor, but he, he's been the director of the, of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases in the United States since 1984. He's, he's 79 years of age, so he's been around. He's seen a lot. Well, he was uh, he was speaking today on uh, on Snapchat of all things, and, and here's what he said about maybe sports returning this summer. There's a way of doing that. Nobody comes to the stadium. Put them in big hotels, you know, wherever you want to play. Keep them very well surveilled, and namely a, a surveillance, but have them tested like every week and make sure they don't wind up infecting each other or their family and just let them play the season out. I mean, people say, well, you know, you, you, you can't play without spectators. Well, I think you probably get enough buy-in from people who are dying to see a baseball game, particularly me. I'm living in Washington. We have the world champion. Washington Nationals. You know, I want to see them play again. Okay, before I get to the content of what Dr. Fauci was saying, I would like to make a couple of observations if you can bear with me. Please do. First of all, and I guess the opportunity here is there there are multiple opportunities for us to to learn things about the world and about other people that maybe we uh, we we wouldn't have known if not for the all all the shutdowns and for the pandemic, and that is I didn't know Snapchat did news interviews. Like I thought Snapchat was that thing that kids use to send. The, isn't that where they send the photos that then disappear after ten seconds, Kellen? So I'm sure there have been some. I'm sure there have been some very uh, naughty photos sent on Snapchat, but apparently they have uh, they have a news feed, and I checked it today. And it, the Peter Hamby, they actually have an anchor, and he used to work on CNN, and he has like hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter. So there's one thing I learned: Snapchat has uh, a news uh, a news outlet where they can actually interview incredibly important people like Dr. Anthony Fauci. Uh, second of all, <laughs> what's what's with the music bed? Can you just play a few seconds of that clip again, Kellen. The, the Fauci clip. There's a way of doing that. Nobody comes to the so stadium. I guess, if you do big- it, I guess if you do an interview on Snapchat, they got to have a little bit of a mix underneath it. There's a way so- of doing that. Nobody comes to the stadium. Put- we sh- <laughs> Drop it like a tot. Drop it like that's a tot. That's amazing. So if, you, if, you're, if you're ever lucky enough to be interviewed on Snapchat... First of all, well, what an honor. And then second of all, they, they'll they have some music to spice up your comments. I, I guess that's aimed at younger people. And, and maybe they feel that they can't just, uh, uh, <laughs> they, they can't be pulled in just enough by the contents of the clip. They, they have to have some kind of music mix underneath. Probably not something we're going to add to Inside Sports. But as Gary Bedman has been telling us, we, we can't rule it out as an option with a lot of things. So that's what Fauci said, that maybe in the summer and empty stadiums and, and some sort of a setup where the players would have to be quarantined, they would have to be tested regularly, and, and you know, no fans around. The players are basically just interacting with each other and their coaches, and, and that's it. So he's he's opening the door here for and and look it's as we know it's going to be up to people like Fauci to to the high ranking doctors who who make this call to say okay you can play games but here's how it had to be 
So that, that's uh, that, that's interesting. And I'm getting a couple of texts on these, and I'll get to this in a, in a minute. Uh, Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the National Hockey League, he was making the rounds. He was on Fox Business today and asked when play could resume. We're focused on being as flexible and as agile as possible. And when we get the opportunity from a health standpoint to bring our players together, to let our teams reconstitute themselves, to get operations up and running, uh, we'll be in a do that whenever it makes sense uh, and we believe that we can be fairly flexible in terms of the calendar and my guess at this point is we're probably going to be playing into the summer which is something that we can certainly do okay and and we've talked about this before bob nicholson the chairman of the edmonton oilers did a conference call yesterday and uh, he said that that even finishing the playoffs perhaps into october and then starting next season in november could be on the table the nhl has to consider everything but bettman they're emphasizing that they could play games in the summer now a couple of texts coming in here to 7804960063 this texture says california mayors are saying no mass gatherings before 2021 doesn't bode well for any major sports or concerts al says so reed i thought i heard the mayors of new york and la say today no professional sports till 2021 in their cities wouldn't that mean no hockey till next year well the answer to that question al is no because if these leagues resume i think that there will be teams playing in neutral sites i i i really do you know if if they look at if they have you know, maybe Canadian cities, and again, without fans. You know, that one texture said, no mass gatherings. I hear you. I think if we come back, if, we're, if we want to talk specifically about the NHL and probably any of the, the large stadium sports, we're, we're talking without fans. We're talking with, with empty seats, television and radio broadcasts only. You know, I don't know as a member of the media if, if the Oilers had a home game, if if I'd be even allowed to go and sit in the press box, maybe I'd have to work from studio or keep working from home, whatever. That's another thing to consider. But with without fans. But here's here's another thing that I'm wondering about, guys and gals, is I, I understand that they, you know, if if they bring pro sports back, they would obviously have a plan, and that would have to be a really, really thorough plan. But my understanding is, with this virus, and I'm sure with germs in general, I don't know if you can have an airtight plan. And and I maybe I'm being a bit of a Debbie Downer here, but let's say the National Hockey League on I'll just I'm just going to randomly pick a date. I don't have any inside information or anything. Let's say on August fifteenth. They say we're going to start the playoffs and we're going to play four best of five series. And let's say the Edmonton Oilers and Vancouver Canucks are tied 1-1, two games into their best of five series, and they test the players and seven members of the Edmonton Oilers have the coronavirus. And let's say they test the Vancouver Canucks and they're lucky enough to be healthy. So... Then now the all the Oilers have to quarantine for two weeks, and a third of their roster is out with the coronavirus. So do you just let the Canucks advance? I, I mean, how would you feel? I mean, obviously we're in Edmonton, so we're talking about the Oilers, but pick a city, pick a fan base. How do you like? How do you feel if we get going again and we think, okay, this is probably going to work, and then your team 
the, the you know the virus hit the virus hits your team. Now I, I realize what Fauci was saying: quarantine, like the players staying in hotels, not sharing rooms, they're not around fans. Um, but I, but in my mind, anyway, from the way things have gone, I would think there would still be a, a, a risk. And, and look, I know sports is is lower down on the grand concern of things here. I mean, we're losing people; people are getting sick all around the world. But I, I would think if pro sports comes back, if the NHL comes back, they want to do it in a competitive environment where they can finish the season. Like they're not going to finish the season as it was planned when it started in October, but at least they want to, they'll be want to finish the season with their secondary plan, which like I said, might be 20 or 24 teams in the playoffs and maybe a mini playing round. Maybe they play some regular season games. I don't know, but I don't think we're going to have four, seven round series as the playoffs. So I, I still think even if you're playing with, empty stadiums and quarantine players. I don't know if you can entirely remove the risk. And if you can't entirely remove the risk, do you want to be that fan base? Heck, do you want to be that owner who all of a sudden has to pull his team out of, out of a postseason situation because some of his players have the virus. And of course, people's health is, is, is the most thing. And, and it's, you know, it's interesting. Fauci said that today and, and Bettman threw out the summer possibility again, but uh, I, I'm just wondering, like as we've as we've been going through this, and, and even with the social distancing and everything we're doing, I, I don't know if there's anything that an individual can do to completely remove the risk of the virus. I suppose if you absolutely stay by yourself 24/7, and maybe some of you are, are, are doing that. I mean, I'm not around uh, a lot of people, but you know, I've had to have some limited and social interactions, or you got to run to the store, or. or or whatever. So maybe you can do it. Maybe you can keep the athletes away from everybody and get them safe. But man, if one of them gets hit and that throws a series off or ends a series for a team that might be doing well in it and knocks them out of the playoffs because of that, man, that, that would be tough for everybody to swallow. Just some, some side thoughts on, on that. But Bettman did say in this interview as well, that if they come back, they got to consider every form of testing. We're checking all of the above boxes because ultimately, as you and I have just discussed, before we can begin as a business standpoint, we've got to be comfortable that we have the appropriate medical protocols in place. Because keep in mind, we're going to have to have our players travel from virtually all over the world. We have lots of our players, certainly in Canada, not just the United States, and we also have a fair number of players in Europe. And so when we decide it's time to play, we've got to be able to get everybody back and be comfortable that not only are we not infecting the, the population of players, but that we're not bringing uh, uh, the coronavirus from other places into jurisdictions where the players and other personnel are going. So, I mean, those were, that was a very relevant uh, question brought up by Al saying, well, New York and L.A., if they can't have pro sports, wouldn't that mean no hockey there? But that's why I think, Al, you know, and again, August is still, what, four or five months away. But if, if it comes back, it's probably empty stadiums and they probably limit the travel and maybe even – it's like the NCAA tournament in basketball where you have four teams in one, like, you, you know, you might do the Pacific division playoffs in, in one city. So one team would get to play at home, even though they wouldn't have their fans in the building. 
and uh, two other teams are basically playing in a neutral site, and then the winners of those two series continue playing in that city. That way you're not putting players on planes or having them uh, move around to, to different parts of, of the continent, and then maybe you get down to the final four, and that's played in uh, in another location. So anyway, just just some things to consider as, uh, as sports navigates through this environment. we got to take a quick timeout inside sports on 630 Chet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. The Big L texting in 780-496-0063. He says, I'm reaching out, Reed, but only within six feet of your voice on my radio. Big L, that is appropriate social distancing. Thank you very much. And Victor says, Dr. Fauci decides when sports can come back. I thought King Trump has total authority. LOL. That is from Victor. Well, I'll tell you what. Maybe Trump could get the USFL going again. We'll see. Good old New Jersey New Jersey generals. You know, he wanted, he signed Doug Flutie, and then he wanted all the other teams in the league to help pay his salary. That was an interesting story from that book, Football for a Buck. Really good book written by uh, by Jeff Perlman. Okay, so uh, a couple of things here I just want to uh, get to. This will sort of be our off-topic topic for the night. We haven't had a lot of these lately. We haven't had a lot of, a lot of time to get into other stuff. A couple, couple things. First of all, Kellen, yes. last summer, in perhaps the crowning achievement to this point of our careers. I'll say to this point, because we're still relatively young man, mm-hmm. young men, and I still think the best is yet to come for, uh, for both of us. But in perhaps the crowning achievement of our careers, while we were working on this very radio show, we founded a wrestling alliance. You remember that? Yes. The SLAW. Yeah. The Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling. And if anybody's wondering, and, and I know people must be, I know people must be wondering about the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling. Are we in pause? Are we in hiatus? Well, the answer is no, and that's because we never actually started having any matches. But the, 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 but the alliance itself still exists, Kellen. We have not disbanded the alliance. That's right. We're, we're totally good to go with the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling. Um, you know, we had we had two guys on the text line who were going to fight to be uh, like the referee or the first champion or something. I think it was I, first I champion. I think, I think it was the first champion. It was first so champion, we had, yeah. We had contestants, but we never actually uh, got around to it. But the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling, the SLAW, is still a thing. And uh, we appreciate everybody's support on that. <laughs> We should start collecting deposits for season's tickets. <laughs> Just send us your uh, send us your empty bottles. <laughs> that'll that'll be your uh, deposit. Uh, another thing, so Kellen, as as we're going through this. I've, I've been trying to stay in touch with people, uh-huh. you know, just texting coworkers and friends periodically, just saying how you're doing. It makes me feel connected. I've, I've had some uh, Skype chats with some people, and I have learned something about popular culture with this. As, as, as you know, Kellen, as the 14 people who regularly listen to this program know, I ain't the hippest guy in the world. I'm a bit of a square, perhaps. <laughs> So I'm not always up on what uh, the world is plugged into. So I have found out something that on March 20th, 
for a lot of people, that was a big day. And we were obviously in the pandemic and things were different. But for, for a lot of people, as something frivolous and distracting in their life. That was a big day. Do you know what happened on March 20th, Kellen? Uh, the sun rose from the east and sat. The game, the game Animal Crossing was released. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was talking to a friend on Skype last night. Uh, she's in her mid-20s. And she told me she has logged 55 hours on Animal Crossing since it came out. Yikes. <laughs> so, I had never heard of this game before. Uh, and now I, it apparently is like this really popular game. And you go, um, like, you got to go shake trees and fight tarantulas and, and buy stuff from raccoons. That's my understanding of the game. If somebody has a, a son or daughter, or maybe these people are playing it themselves, I, I think it might be maybe an under 30 demographic type thing. But uh, anyway, a couple of friends of mine are really into it. Roadhammer is our champion. Yes, Roadhammer. Thank you very much for texting in. He is the reigning slaw champion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. Reed Wilkins coming to you from his uh, spare bedroom in his house. Pretty cool. Could fit about two people in here. It's sort of a glorified closet. I, I ain't living in luxury, trust me. I referred to myself as a bit of a square before we went to news. Sheldon texts and he says, Reed, you're only a square in some circles. Sheldon, that is well said. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. It is great to welcome back to the show a four-time Grey Cup champion, a legend with the Edmonton Eskimos. His name's on the wall of honor. It is number 15, Ricky Ray, checking in on Inside Sports. Ricky, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It is nice to catch up with you again. Unusual circumstances, obviously. Let everybody know where you are and how you and all your loved ones are getting through this. Yeah, we're we're back home here in, in Redding, California, and uh, everybody's doing good. We're just hanging at home. The kids have been out of school for about a month, and uh, yeah, we're just doing the daily grind here at home every day and keeping our kids uh, caught up on their schoolwork that they do online and uh, doing projects around the house and just trying to keep busy and trying to have a little bit of fun. So what's... What's a more difficult challenge you've had to face in your life? Getting your kids to do their schoolwork while they're at home or dealing with four or five receivers all telling you they were open on the last play? (laughs) (laughs) Man, that's a tough one. Um, They can both be tough at times. You know, they don't want to listen. They think they're right all the time. You know, every receiver thinks they're open on every play, and then you watch the film and they're double covered. So you can't always trust them either. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Well, well, glad you're doing well. Obviously, things are different. And, and thanks for doing the interview. I, I will say this, Ricky, and obviously Dave Campbell uh, reached out to you and asked if you had some time for us tonight. I, I will say this. I don't think we've had anybody say no to us 
for an interview. And and maybe that's just because things are, are so slow. People don't mind taking 10 or 15 minutes out of their day to, to actually have something on the schedule yeah. that, that they can do. Exactly. I'm sure people are looking forward to doing it. Plus, they have nowhere to be, so they can't have an excuse for, for not being available for something, I guess. Have you been running? I know when we talked a few months ago, uh, you know, you were doing some distance running and and a couple half marathons and things like that. Have you been able to keep that going? Yeah, I mean, I was uh, at the beginning of the year. I was training pretty good. I had a um, a race I was doing actually in two weeks. It was supposed to be, so I was training for that. Obviously, that's canceled now. Um, but uh, I've been trying to keep up on it. I go out and just run the little neighborhood streets um in our neighborhood uh in the mornings and uh just trying to keep some exercise going so i've been been doing pretty well with my training this year just don't uh you know have any races obviously uh set up in the in the future here when was the last time you threw a football <laughs> um probably probably when i was up there in september when i went to practice um run with, with with jason um it's it's been a while i don't need to do that anymore and um yeah i mean it's just it's weird normally right now i'd be in, in the midst of my you know training for the season and throwing and getting my arm in shape and um you know don't have to do that anymore yeah ricky ray joining us tonight on inside sports ricky we've done a few of these chats over the years but we're hoping to dive into uh, an area of your career that that we have not talked about a lot and uh, it would have been an interesting uh, thing for you to experience and that's the year you spent with the new york jets in the national football mm-hmm. league Let, let's first go back to sort of the the end of the 2003 season the eskimos won the great cup in regina you were the uh, uh the the quarterback jason tucker was was the mop of the game he had an awesome game and there was already a lot of speculation then that okay is is could could ricky go or is he going to stay in the cfl as that season was winding down was there already the sense that you'd have opportunities to go to the nfl like did you feel like that was realistic even as 03 was winding down in edmonton um yeah i think so um i mean it wasn't something i was thinking about a lot um but there was that opportunity you know guys that was normal for guys who were going into their option years to you know if they had a uh, opportunity to work out with some nfl teams they you know that was in the clause where they could um you know do workouts and get signed by an nfl team so i knew that was a possibility for me um so going after that season going into the off season i knew i wanted to explore that a little bit you know that's the league i grew up watching and um, you know, a lot of the players I idolized were in the NFL. So I wanted to, to give it another shot. And um, when did a, a workout um, at the Denver Broncos facility for, I don't know, a handful of teams um, there in the off season, and uh, went through that workout and, uh, you know, got a visit out with the Jets and went out and visited them and uh, ended up signing with them. I'm glad you brought up the the, the workout because we often hear about these. You know, so and so from whatever CFL team went and did a workout, either for a team or a group of teams. For a quarterback, what yeah. what do they actually make you do? Like, is it a simulated game, or what kind of stuff do they put you through? No, not really. I mean, you just get out there and uh, you know you do some drills, you warm up, and then you you basically just kind of throw some routes to some receivers and uh, they kind of run you through the route tree and 
you know, some short passes, some medium passes, and then some long passes. And, um, you know, it's really not that long or hard or strenuous. It's just kind of they want to see you make different types of throws, see what your footwork's like, um, you know, what your timing's like, and what your accuracy's like, I guess. And uh, so I just went through that. It probably took about an hour. And, um, you know, there's some some teams there. And instead of because we had some interest in, in a handful of teams. So instead of, you know, going all the way to everybody's individual team, we just organized, um, you know, one workout. And thankfully Denver, the Denver Broncos, uh, said we could do it at their facility. And so we could all do it just kind of at once. Kind of like, a, I guess, like a pro day where you see some of these college quarterbacks doing, um, you know, at their pro day, kind of running through some drills and, and throwing some routes. So do you talk to the teams that day, either before or after the workout? Is there kind of almost like a little interview session? There wasn't really like a, a formal interview. Um, there really wasn't, you know, I didn't really go in and sit down and, you know, talk to each team there. Um, I did take a couple individual visits. Um, I, I went to uh, the Jets, obviously, and did another workout with them later on and you know we talked a little bit of football and um, had a couple other conversations with some other teams where i actually you know they asked me about football plays and what kind of offense we ran at edmonton and got a little bit more specific with the football uh questions but at that workout in denver um, there really wasn't a lot of that you said they wanted to see you make the different types of throws and then obviously you know you played you got to practice and do preseason all that kind of stuff can you tell us what types of throws might you have to make in one league that maybe you wouldn't have to make at all or as often in, in the other league do you know what i'm making because i like you know what i'm getting at because i think yeah. well you know you got to throw an out you got to throw an in you got to throw a long bomb but what were if any some of the differences there yeah i mean i think the biggest differences is um in the nfl you're using the whole field um you know you're throwing there's really no like boundary and field like it is in the cfl where um, you won't throw certain routes to the field in the CFL just from a straight drop-back position. You're not throwing deep comebacks or, you know, really deep kind of out routes to the field in, in the CFL, whereas in the NFL you're still able to do that. You're still able to throw comebacks to the field or the short side. Um, in the NFL, there, there's probably a little bit more, uh, you know, in the CFL we throw a lot of corner routes um, with, with the sides of the field where I think in the NFL there's more go routes, just straight up, you know, straight down the field um, go routes that you throw. So you got to get good at those. Um, and then everything else is, is pretty similar, you know, all the intermediate passes over the middle and all that stuff. So when, when you got to training camp with the Jets and as you got to know to the, to know the coaches, did like anything you did in the Canadian Football League with the Eskimos register with them at all, or were you just – another guy trying to make the team. And I think they had Pennington as their quarterback there. So what was it like trying yeah. to become a member of the Jets and be accepted and respected? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it really had a lot to do with, you know, especially when it came down to kind of being with the coaches. I don't think they really knew a lot about me. Um, you know, they were more focused on getting Chad Pennington ready um, they had another kid there that they had drafted, Brooks Bollinger, who they drafted from Wisconsin, who they were really, you know, focused on grooming as well. And, 
you know, so I, I definitely felt like, you know, it was almost like when I went to the CFL, you know, I was kind of unknown, just went in there, tried to do my job and, and, you know, tried to do the best I could and impress them. It was kind of the same thing with the Jets, you know, I was low on the totem pole and just trying to get in there and be an unknown and, and make it, you know, they really didn't um, focus a lot of energy on me. Okay, Ricky Ray joining us on Inside Sports, talking about his uh, year in the NFL with, uh, with with the with the New York Jets. I, I mean, I, I'm wondering how. And, and look, I, everybody knows how calm you are and about your attitude, and, and you're such a roll with it uh, t- type of person. But you go from being a, a, a premier player in the Canadian Football League, and then you know you were you were a backup in the NFL. Did like mentally was that ever difficult? Because every athlete wants to play. Every athlete has the itch to play, regardless yeah. of, of what league they're in. Um, yeah, I mean it was difficult in a sense that um, you really didn't know how you were doing. Like um, you know when you're when I was in the CFL, you know I was playing every week. Um, you know I was contributing to the team. Um, you know you can kind of you get a lot of feedback from your coaches on you know, how how you're playing, what you need to do to improve. And when I was in the NFL, you know, going through training camp and, and the off-season program, uh, you know, I'm only getting very limited reps. Say we had, you know, 20 plays of, of Skelly or team, you know, I might be getting like the last three reps of each of those periods where um, being a starter in, in the CFL, you're getting, you know, 15 out of, 20 reps so you're getting a lot of opportunities to to really go out there and and kind of improve and get feedback where with the jets you know you're getting three plays at the end of each period and you know there's not a lot of opportunities to really improve and then when you get in the meetings um you know you're watching the film with the coach and you're going through all the plays that pennington had and then you know brooks had and then we may get to the reps that I had. So you're not always getting to watch, um, you know, the reps that you even took. So that was a little tough to get used to because you just you just didn't know how you were doing. You didn't have that feedback that you normally would have. So um, it was hard to really get a lot of, um, I guess, confidence confidence boost with it. So that so that season uh, went on. Pennington played. I think Quincy Carter got in some few games when when Pennington was hurt. Yeah. So I'll ask you the same question I asked you at the start about '03 with the Eskimos. As '04 went on with the Jets, did you sort of reach a point where you were thinking, okay, you know, this this is cool, but I, I'm probably not a New York Jet next year. Like, did that ever uh, hit you at some yeah, point? Yeah. So. Yeah, so I went went through the off-season workouts, uh, came back in training camp, um, and really I was I was getting all the third team reps in training camp. Pennington was getting the ones, Brooks was getting the twos, and I was getting the threes. So we get into uh, the first preseason game, and uh, I think I played most of the fourth quarter in that game, but Brooks got hurt. He he kind of sprained his knee a little bit and that next week Quincy Carter got released by the Cowboys and so we picked him up uh, to have him come in and, and be you know a veteran backup for, for Pennington um, so right there when they made that move um, you know I got bumped down again because now uh, Quincy Carter's getting a lot of the second team reps 
you know, when Brooks came back after a couple of weeks, you know, he started getting some of the second, some of the third. So I kind of got bumped down at that point. And so I kind of knew that, um, you know, it was going to be tough to even make the team that year, but they, they kept me on the practice roster for, for half the year. And then uh, Pennington ended up getting hurt halfway through the season, so I got to dress as the number three quarterback for five games until Chad came back. And then um, Quincy um, had some some problems, and so he was missed the playoff stretch. So I got to dress as the number three quarterback during the playoffs as well. So, you know, I, I got some some time on the roster, half the season on the roster, but um, going into that next off season. I was really like, man, you know, I have a I have a chance to play in the CFL and here in the, you know, if I stay here with the Jets and the NFL, you know, I'm just trying to really trying to make the team. And uh, the Jets that offseason signed Jay Fiedler, uh, who played with Miami, to come in and be the backup for Pennington. And um, I knew right then that, you know, my chances of making the team weren't very good. So that offseason, my agent went to – to the management with New York and kind of explain the situation that, you know, I could go play in the CFL um, and if they would be willing to release me. And uh, thankfully they they were able to, you know, comply with that and they released me and then I came back and signed with Edmonton. Yeah, which which I think everybody remembers well. When it came to the the week to week grind and the day to day grind of practicing and, and meetings, did, did did the NFL did the Jets conduct themselves differently? Like, was there a different uh, vibe as to, as opposed to what you went through in the Canadian Football League, or is it kind of like a you know football is football type of situation? No, I mean it's it's the time commitments um, a lot more than the CFL. In the CFL, there's the four and a half hour rule um, where you can only do organized stuff um, for four and a half hours. So basically, a CFL schedule is you know your your first team meetings at nine, and then you're you're done at one thirty. And then obviously quarterbacks and stuff, we meet a little bit extra, and you know you're doing your weight training, which is all voluntary. So you do extra stuff as a player outside of that four and a half hours. Where the NFL, I mean, it's you're there at seven in the morning until you know about four in the afternoon, organized as a team. And then, um, you know, quarterbacks are staying after to watch film and all that. So the days are a lot longer. Um, and then just, I mean, the travel. I mean, everywhere we went, we had, like, police escorts. You know, when we're busing to the airport, you got a police escort. They're flying charter everywhere. Um, you know, when we get to um, the visiting city, like, we have just lots of meetings. You're not – in the CFL, when we get to – uh, an away city we have some we have some meetings but then you know you have a chance to go out with your teammates and grab dinner and just kind of relax and you know get ready for the game whereas in the nfl it's meetings team meal you know you get up have another meeting and then you go play so it's it's a lot more time consuming and and re- restricted with the schedule okay and, and uh on a lighter note you played for the New York Jets. I know their home games are in New Jersey, but still, New York. Where, where did you live? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we actually, uh, our facility was out at Hofstra University on Long Island, kind of near the um, the the hockey arena out there. 
And um, so we would practice there, and then we would bus, actually bus all the way over to New Jersey where the, the stadium was. So we'd bus over there, stay in a hotel the night before our home games, um, do the meetings, and then get up and go play play the game. So um, the Phillies, they were okay. I mean, we're at a, at a, at a university. They're a little bit old. Um, now I think they're – They've moved and got some really nice new new facilities, but uh, that's where we were on Long Island. So um, we got an apartment uh, in Glen Cove, uh, which is kind of on the north uh, north part of Long Island. Um, really nice area, and uh, it was about a I don't know probably like a twenty twenty five minute drive uh, to the practice facility every day. But it was a lot of fun. I mean, living in in uh, in New York um, was great. I mean, there's obviously a big city. I got to go into Manhattan and do all the Broadway shows and, you know, all the sightseeing, you know, when we did have some downtime and, you know, uh, going over to play in the Meadowlands uh, for home games was pretty awesome. And traveling around was a lot of fun. Even though I was on the practice roster the first half of the year, they uh, they let me travel with the team. So I got to go and, and take part in all the away games and be at all the stadiums and kind of experience, uh, you know, all the games and, and game days. Um, so it was pretty cool. I mean, the playoff experience was, was awesome. You know, I got to dress as the number three quarterback during the playoffs, and um, we won the first round against – we went out and played the Chargers uh, in the first round and won that game, and then we went um, and played the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh um, in the next round and, and almost won a game there. If we, were, we missed, like, two field goals in the last – Two minutes um, that would have would have won the game for us, and we would have went to the AFC Championship. Um, but that was just a great experience playing playing in Pittsburgh with all their terrible towels and uh, going <laughs> through that was was pretty cool. Yeah, well, Ricky, thanks for going into detail on that. That was that was quite a time in your career. Yeah. So thanks for breaking down uh, how it went. Of course, uh, fans here in Edmonton and area always love to hear from you. Glad you're doing well. I know we will talk again. Really appreciate you making time for us tonight. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Thank you. That is Ricky Ray checking in tonight, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Great interview with Ricky Ray checking in from his home in California. Gave you the lowdown, all the details on his season in the NFL 2004 with the New York Jets. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern Classics done with a modern twist. Tomorrow, St. Louis Blues defenseman Colton Pareko, Seattle Seahawks play-by-play voice Steve Rabel. Inside Sports 7 to 8 on 630. Chad Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, your studio operator. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.